It was February 20th, 2019. Our local church was gearing up for the first night of what was to be called the Daniel Tour, which was a series of meetings held at various churches over a period of 21 days, stating to prophetically minister from the book of Daniel, and these services would be ministered by Apostle Ryan Lestrange. Though it seemed like any other and many other services before with supernatural manifestations, praying, prophesying, and other events that took place, Something would change the course of my life and my family's life personally. And it began in an offering message. So if I can find out who you're listening to, I can find out where you're going. Second qualification of a son or daughter is you've not just got to listen, you've got to obey. See, there's a lot of people that listen. If I have to tell somebody something more than once, it tells me that they either have a hearing issue or they're choosing not to listen to me. But if they're saying, I'm in covenant with you, I don't need to tell you five different times the same piece of information. You either need deliverance You've got rebellion, you've got pain, you choose not to listen, whatever it is. And if I don't value myself, I'll be dumb enough to just keep repeating the same information over and over and over. And now I'm frustrated when I shouldn't be frustrated. Why? Because I'm playing a religious game. All along, you're saying, well, I'm a spiritual son. I'm a spiritual. No, you're not. You don't listen. You don't obey. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey me. You'll keep my commandments. That's what the gospel said. Y'all are getting really uptight, really upset, really frustrated. It's all right tonight. That's what Jesus said. That's not what Ryan said. That's what Jesus said. Join me as we look at this service, what took place, the source of some things stated, and what I consider the amazing grace and mercy of God to begin opening the ears of this sheep that had gone astray. Hi there, and welcome to the Love Six Scribe podcast, where we talk about biblical truths, current topics, and where we grow in loving the Word and loving the one who is the Word, Jesus Christ. I am Dawn Hill, and I am the Love Six Scribe. The grace and mercy of God never ceases to amaze me, and His faithfulness to His Word also leaves me in awe. You may be wondering why this particular episode has the title, God's Word Does Not Return Empty. It's a reference to Isaiah 55, 11, in case you don't know that. But I'm going to explain later why I call it this, because I believe it's very relevant to what this episode is going to be talking about today. And now this episode is going to be very personal. And though it's very personal in nature, it is in no way to attack an individual we are going to actually be evaluating this today from an objective and biblical standpoint. And I'm asked about this quite often in conversations. The question inevitably comes up, when was the moment that God began to open your ears or open your eyes to what was going on? And it was in this pivotal moment. It was on February 20th, 2019, sitting on the second row in the center of this sanctuary and hearing the words that came out of this during this offering, this 10-minute time period within the offering message, that by the grace of God and by the prompting of the Holy Spirit, I recognized the the scripture that was being referenced, at least in some part, I recognized there that there was a misapplication of it. And it was, it was scary to me when I sat there. I didn't fully understand. Looking back on February 20th, 2019, was that night when it began of having my ears opened and to begin to ask questions and to want to understand the Bible in its proper context. And it's been a process, and I'm continuing on that process. But nevertheless, I'm thankful that it happened that night even in the midst of the difficulty that we endured in the past few years. There were things along the way that were red flags. Some people may say, well, you were part of this for a long time, for almost two decades. Weren't there things along the way that got your attention? And the answer is yes, there were red flags along the way. The problem was, is that I brushed them aside. And it was uh, at a pivotal moment in the offering message on this night that I've come to understand the Holy Spirit actually got my attention. And it was his word. It was the word of God that got my attention. And that is by no uh, coincidence. And it's by no mistake. And I think that you're going to understand at the end of this why this is titled God's word does not return empty. I can take no credit for what happened. As much as I would like to think that I was able to realize something was wrong. And I was, mind you, I was still in error, even though I began 
by the Holy Spirit to recognize that something was wrong in the scriptures that were being stated, there was still a lot of error and sin that I was having to come out of and to get back to a proper biblical understanding. I hope you will listen and test what is said today, not only from the clips that I'm going to share, but that you're going to listen as always and test what I'm saying. And there may be some who will hear this episode and were even there that night and the night to follow. And there were things that happened the second night specifically to me and my family personally that maybe I'll talk about in another episode as I reflect and look back at things and ponder on what the Word of God has to say about things regarding prophecy. If there are people listening that were there that night and you heard the same words that I heard, I ask for you to be objective and biblical rather than loyal to a man, because what we need to be looking at is what is the truth according to scripture. And if someone is ministering the truth according to scripture, or if there is a misapplication, a misappropriation, or abuse of passages in order to gain control, manipulate, or to say something for a personal gain, there could be a lot of different reasons when we're looking and evaluating somebody's teaching or somebody's words. February 20th in that year seemed like any other time. I was actually asked to serve as an armor bearer for Jenny Weaver, who came in as a guest worship leader. So I went and picked her up from the airport, took her to the hotel, picked her up from the hotel to take her to the services. And from there, I was helped. I was at, I was expected to serve her, whether she needed water, escort her to the restroom to keep her from people monopolizing her time, whatever was um, anticipated or expected of that armor bearer carrying belongings and such. And it was a title that was usually given to that person, almost as if like in an honorary type way, but you're a glorified servant. And there's nothing wrong with serving, but you just don't find the title of armor bearer, especially, or as at least in the New Testament, because I didn't carry a shield or, or a sword or anything like that. And as part of being an armor bearer, you were to sit near the guest minister that you were serving. So I was sitting on the second row in the middle. And you can actually see the back of my head on the services that are online. And as I'm sitting there, I'm sitting on the second row right behind Jenny and um, I'm taking things in. I'm standing there during worship. And to give you an idea of the first night anyway, the first night lasted a little over three hours. The first hour and 20 minutes consisted of music. The music was stopped in the first few minutes and basically just um, encouraging people to begin to worship without the music and to set the atmosphere The music included freestyle rap from another minister that was there visiting. Ministers were stating to be receiving words of knowledge about specific body parts that needed to be healed and giving the people instructions regarding the the prayer. Come on, quickly. Father, we thank you. Come on, guys. We thank you for the miracle anointing tonight. Now, listen, we're not going to pray that God heals you. That's a religious mentality. We're not going to pray God heals you. We're not going to ask God to heal you. We're going to command and administer healing into your body in the name of Jesus. We don't pray that God heals people. We administrate the kingdom of God and healing is the result. So tonight, in the name of Jesus, come on, we lose a glory cloud in this place right now to begin to heal and begin to set free. I shall come along and say, say, feel, feel. A little bit later, there was a word about non-prophetic churches. Been dealing with me about is these lukewarm churches are going to have to stop being non-prophetic. I've been telling everybody everywhere I go, if they don't prophesy in your church, they don't have prophetic teams, they don't do prophetic worship. Get out of there and go somewhere where there's a prophetic anointing. You will die in a non-prophetic church, and that's what's wrong with the Church of America. Is these these uh, franchise churches that are preaching canned sermons and other people's revelations? The devil is a liar. We're not going to let the spirit of religion dominate. God just said to me, activate the prophets tonight. We're going to begin to lay hands on prophets and prophetic people. Come here, Prophet Oscar, Dr. Oscar. We're going to accelerate you in the prophetic. Some things are taught, but other things are caught. So I'm going to turn the mic to these two. Uh, they're apostles, but they're very prophetic. And I want you to begin to pray. And at the point in time, call for all the prophetic people, and you guys lay hands on them. A little bit later, the prophets were prayed over regarding Jezebel. They were sang over that deliverance is the children's bread. And deliverance was said to be ministered to the prophets there in renouncing their partnership with Jezebel and to remove the spirit of Jezebel out of professing believers in Christ. Shortly after the uh, the transition from worship, Ryan began to talk about the merchandise that was available during the Daniel tour out in the foyer, mentioning different pieces of apparel and different 
uh, teachings and books that he had for people to purchase. This one prayer, so you need to get it. Hell's Toxic Trio, if you've not read that yet, every, I believe every prophetic person needs to read this about the spirit of Jezebel, the spirit of Python, the spirit of religion. And this this is my personal uh, gift from Jesus for my birthday, uh, the power of the double. I was preaching in South Africa. You, you guys read this already? My God, don't lie. If you lie, you're going to... Okay, because see, you're a deliverance minister. And if you start lying, some demon is going to come on you. And we're going to have to pray for you. You're in the fifth chapter. Well, see, I already like you better than Marisol. She hadn't even picked up my book yet. You might make it to heaven. You might not. The power of the double. Amen. Uh, this is the word God gave me to begin to believe for double. I talk about the double portion, double honor. You know, a lot of churches don't have any glory on them because they don't understand honor. If you don't understand honor, you're not going to have glory. And a lot of you are being demoted in this season because you're dishonorable. And if you don't understand honor, you're not going to have any promotion on your life. People who are dishonorable people do not get promoted. And so I teach on double honor in this book. Uh, double restoration. How many would like double restoration? It was shortly after the introduction of the merchandise and the books and such that the transition came to the offering message, which, again, that was not an uncommon thing. Sometimes the offering message could go up to 15 to 20 minutes in trying to encourage people to give financially and to sow to the ministry. And during this time, this was the part where I began asking questions to myself and was alarmed at some of the things that I was hearing. So we're going to be listening to that particular part. And I want you again to be objective, to be biblical, and we're going to take a look at it along with some other clips that are related to this particular teaching that you are about to hear. I want to do something tonight before I begin to minister. I want to receive the offering. We're not receiving two. We're receiving one offering. But before we give, I want to challenge you. How many of you feel like you've hit a lid somewhere in the area of your finances? See, none of you will raise your hand now because you're afraid I'm going to challenge you to do something. The devil is a liar. Five of you have hit a lid. The rest of you are rich and wealthy. So we ought to have a $50,000 offering tonight. No problem. Let me ask it again. How many of you feel like you've hit a lid somewhere? We all hit lids. You know, I had a $100 giving lid. That was like $100 would make me nervous and make me sweat. Not because I was greedy. I just didn't have it. You said give $100, it would make me nervous. And then I busted through that and got to a $500 lid. Then I busted through that and got to a $1,000 lid. And many of you, if you go to church here, you've heard me tell the story. God paid mine and Joy's house off supernaturally with one check. Uh, And it wasn't a a small check either. It was six figures nearly times two. And God paid it off in 48 hours. But I told the people in this church at that time, if you all want to be stingy, you don't want to give, I'll become the biggest giver in this church. And I spoke it. I decreed it. I sold it. And guess what? It came to pass. I would lovingly say, I hope that you take note of the appeal to personal insight, the tone, the attitude that seems to be portrayed here, as far as the amount of lack of gentleness, of compassion, and really the the puffing up of, of self with this type of message. I'm just going to make this observation, and I made this observation personally when I was, uh, when I was confronted about one of the concerns I had, it seemed that there was frustration when, when he was ministering. That was the the thing. Now I was very much biblically illiterate at that point when um, I was brought into meetings to be questioned about this. Uh, yes, I did have concerns because of the, the scripture that he used as you're going to hear soon. And I, but I just didn't understand. There were so many different factors in it. I did not fully understand about how to ask those questions. There was fear in here because of the the view of being honorable to the leaders not and thinking i was under spiritual warfare as a prophet there were so many factors in this that went into it and i was very much ignorant of the scripture in the proper context i did not ask theological questions i did not ask biblically based questions what i was picking up on during this time was that he was frustrated So we began to do something. We began to give unusual offerings. Say unusual. Unusual. We began to identify where's our lid. And we began to sow above our lid and give unusual offerings. And I was preaching for a, a man of God. And I noticed something about this man's church. That everything was blessed financially. I mean, he had the best equipment. He had wealthy people in his church. And I said, I know there's probably things you're doing. But give me one tip. Because always when I get around somebody that knows more than I do, I ask questions. This is where it's getting ready to shift, in case you're wondering. The shift is happening now in the message that's going to be preached during the offering time. I can always quickly identify an ignorant person by the volume of words that they give out when they're around people that know things they don't know. 
It irritates me when people message me and say, I want to talk to you and learn about the apostolic or the prophetic. And I get on the phone with them and they just talk and talk and talk. And they, you don't want to learn anything from me. You just want me to listen to you. And I don't have time to listen to you. I could be writing a book instead of listening to you. I want to listen to people that can get me to another level. Amen. If you look at the five people you listen to the most, you'll predict where your life is going in the next year. And if you've got soul issues and soul wounds, you're probably listening to five wounded people. Most people surround themselves with people who give them permission to remain the same. As long as you've got friends and family that give you permission to remain the same, you will never get your deliverance. You will never get your breakthrough. You will never get your miracle. You will never bust loose. Oh, you're going to make me preach. You will never come out on the other side. I don't want to stay down. I don't want to stay small. I don't want to stay bound. I don't want to stay broke. I don't want to stay defeated. So I say, stretch me, God. Stretch me. Hold me. Do whatever you got to send people that will challenge me. I don't want to stay small. Tell someone around you, you're not going to stay small. But you know what I found out? This is not the offering message, but I feel it in my belly. I found out wounded people get nervous around whole people. One of my things I've been working on personally is boundaries because when I got saved, I picked up a little bit of religion along the way. And church people began to tell me, you have to do this or you're not loving people. You have to do this or you're not being a good Christian. And because I didn't have a biblical education, I wasn't raised in church, I just believed church people. You should be able to believe church people. But I found out there's a lot of witchcraft that happens through church people telling you what you've got to do. And so I, I, I began to get irritated. I said, why am I irritated? And the Lord said, you're irritated because you've not valued yourself and you've allowed other people to devalue you. And you're devaluing what I put value on. And so when you begin to feel like that, God is trying to deliver you from people and situations that devalue you and try to keep you the same. But when you're broken, you will look for people that affirm your brokenness. You will not grow with friends and neighbors that affirm your brokenness. You need some people that are going to challenge you and stretch you. And one of the first things broken people get offended over is the word no I need you to talk to me for two hours no I'm not going to do it I need you to do this no I'm not going to do it you got to do it this way no I'm not I tell people the mentee never sets the pace of the mentor now it was interesting some of the words that he's saying and the reason why I say it's interesting was because fairly recently I came across a Facebook live that he had done the day of that service on February 20th and it was talking about kingdom voices. And it was based on an ebook that he had written called Find Your Voice. Now, that ebook is no longer available. It was available on a website called AP Global Books. And you could sow any, any seed you wanted in order to get that book. It was an ebook. Just to kind of lay some groundwork here for you so you'll know, during that Facebook Live, he talked about mothers and fathers. Good fathers and mothers confirm, they rebuke, they refine. He talked about um, the relationships and the legitimacy versus illegitimacy. People that are in right relationships with their spiritual mothers and fathers are committed, they're loyal. He had someone ask him, can someone be restored to being a, a, one of your sons or daughters? And he references a particular individual. He won't say male or female because he doesn't want to give give the information away. But he mentions this person that apparently had said that they were his son, son or daughter spiritually, but then betrayed him and said some things that weren't true. And he says the real question is, were they ever one to begin with? And then he goes on to, in this Facebook Live, to say relationship is based on covenant, that spiritual children are to progress in carrying and blessing what their father and mother have, and that you are to find your voice and grow in revelation. And he says an insecure leader is like a child with a chainsaw. And then a little bit later, he says, um, in finding your voice, your authentic is buried under pain and trauma a lot of times. And it was later, about the 36 minutes into the Facebook Live, I watched the whole thing, uh, he starts talking about uh, what to look for in a son or daughter. And I want to play a little bit of that because you're going to hear this echoed later on in the evening service that we're listening to today. So this is what he has to say in the Facebook Live as he's getting ready to talk about spiritual sons and daughters and the relationship to spiritual fathers and mothers. So as a son or daughter, you are responsible to listen to their voice, to listen to their wisdom, to listen to their teaching, to attend their seminars, buy their books, do those sort of things. I'm not referring to casual listening. 
Hear me, hear me. I'm not referring to casual listening. This is what the crowd is. You've not asked to be a part of the crowd. You've asked to be a part of the core. And as a part of the core, you have a different set of obligations and responsibilities than the crowd does. And you've got to understand that and mature. When you come into a relationship as a son or daughter, you're asking for maturity. And ultimately, that means taking responsibility for your destiny. One thing I like to say is show up. A lot of people are very entitled right now, and they believe everybody's got to show up for their destiny. If their destiny's not happening, it's the guy on Facebook's fault. It's their pastor's fault. It's their apostle's fault. It's their bishop's fault. It's, it's I don't know, it's, it's Oprah's fault. It's somebody's fault. It's not their fault because they had a bad childhood. They were traumatized. They had a bad relationship. You know, excuses will get you replaced. I'm going to interject real quick because in, in the context of what he's saying, he's talking about spiritual sons and daughters to spiritual fathers and mothers, which this is highly debated as far as, yes, we do see um, examples of this between Paul and Timothy. He referred to Timothy as his son in the faith. Um, but there's also other scriptures that we see that Jesus says, you know, no, call no one else your father. So there, there's some creepiness to this that we see in, in some of the, these types of movements and these beliefs, these doctrines of calling someone a leader that we look up to, a godly leader like daddy and I want you to keep in mind what he's talking about. He's talking about the spiritual sons and daughters. So when you consider that context, he's saying that you can be replaced. Now, I'm just going to say this right now as a parent. I will love my children no matter what they do. It doesn't mean that I'm going to agree with their choices as they get older. And it doesn't mean that I'm going to condone sinful behavior and that I'm certainly not going to um, interject when I need to as a parent or that my husband won't as a, as their father and to say, no, this is wrong. This is because this is not what God says in his word. And this is what we believe. We, as your parents, are going to hold to these beliefs and we love you and we love you enough to tell the, you the truth. Uh, having said that, my children are not replaceable. And this is the danger that I see in these types of these doctrines and beliefs is that if you're telling people that they're replaceable, but you want to say that they're, they're your, their sons and daughters, then again, I, I say this a lot, there is a disconnect there. And as far as a job is concerned, yes, we are replaceable when we're out in the work field, the workplace. If you have this type of mindset, then I wonder if your mindset is more along of an employer-employee versus an actual relationship between father and son or daughter. But again, this whole thing in the spiritually speaking, it can get creepy and it can get very unhealthy and unbalanced really fast. I, I want to express that concern. So let's continue to hear what he has to say on this and then we'll get back to the service so you can hear that this is being echoed from, from this teaching. As a son or daughter, you're asking to be matured, to be developed, and be grown. And you cannot be entitled. Nobody owes you anything. If you're not showing up for your destiny, why should other people show up for your destiny? If you're not staying awake late at night, getting up early in the morning, you're not studying, you're not learning, you're not listening, you're not applying knowledge, why should other people show up for your destiny? And a lot of people in the body of Christ, I see people get offended. They get offended over uh, a registration fee. Well, I don't want to go to a, 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 a e-class where you have to pay money. You know what? Frankly, I don't want to go to an e-class that's free because an e-class that's free tells me the person presenting does not value their information. I have the feeling when I'm listening to this, it almost seemed like this information was something similar that you would hear at a motivational speech or like multi-level marketing or uh, a conference that you go to where people are trying to get you to purchase something their product. And then also too, when he mentions about if you're not staying up late and come and going and getting up early and you're not studying and, and listening, he's referencing the material that a spiritual father has that you need to be taking in their material that you need to be digesting their material, so to speak, that you need to be studying it and listening to them and having some sort of deposit that comes out of you that someone can identify you with your spiritual father. That's what he's referring to when he says this. I'm just wanting to help you to understand that. He's not talking about you just studying the word of God and showing yourself approved as someone that's being trained up in righteousness according to scripture. Now, I do free uh, webinars and things from time to time because uh, I want to give people who are having financial difficulty an opportunity, but I always encourage them to sow, and I do it as a part of the kingdom expression. But when you don't value what you're presenting, it means that you don't think it's worth anything. You didn't study. You didn't prep. You didn't pray. You didn't find help to present people information, revelation that you could put in a book and have it at Walmart on the bookshelf and go give it for free at the Body of Christ wants a welfare program, and we want to get information and transformation without any investment. But the reality is every part of growth in our life requires investment. 
I don't remember Paul saying that every place he went that the churches financially supported him. And actually they didn't. There was one church that I can find that did financially support him. It was the church in Philippi. He talks about this in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 9, when he says, And when I was with you and was in need, I did not burden anyone. This is to the Corinthian church. For the brothers who came from Macedonia supplied my need. So I refrained and will refrain from burdening you in any way. So we can see that the Corinthian church did not financially support Paul. He references again in Philippians chapter 4, verse 15, saying, And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, verse 16, you sent me help for my needs once and again. And he, and he says, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. You can also find it in Acts chapter 20, verse 34. You can find it in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 12, as far as what his reference is to being financially supported. Uh, Paul was a tent maker or um, a leather worker by trade. When you look this up and actually study this, and we can see that he was able to work with his hands and he wanted to demonstrate that to the people and to set an example for other believers to have that modeled. Um, and even in 1 Corinthians 4.12, he says, and we labor working with our own hands. When reviled, we bless. When persecuted, we endure. He even talks about this. There's a couple references to this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 9. He says, for you remember, brothers, our labor and toil, we worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you while we proclaim to you the gospel of God. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 8, Paul tells the believers in Thessalonica, nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it, but with toil and labor, we worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you. So he does reference as far as working with his hands. He wanted to make this an example for the people to follow. But if we're applying some of these other scriptures in context to what Ryan is saying, if I'm understanding this correctly from his point of view, you, you need to be offering some sort of material to where you're getting a financial or monetary gain from it every time. And if you're not willing to put a price tag or to charge for it, then really your material is not really worth anything that you're not showing that it's that it has value. Well, Paul's ministry would disagree with what he's saying because Paul accepted financial assistance from fel from followers as long as they were not members of the community to which he was actively ministering the gospel. So this seems to negate what he's saying if, again, if I'm understanding his point of view correctly. And let me say this, this would go back to the whole business of ministry. I would argue that there seems this is more of a business model than a ministry model for church. And perhaps that's something I can talk about in a future time. But I would throw that out there for as food for thought for consideration. This is modeling more of a business model, a CEO model than a church model. If a group of people is to be conformed to the image of that man that is overseeing that group of people, and they're not being conformed to the image of Christ, we don't have a church. We have a business. That, so that's what I would offer for consideration. So you got to place value on something. You got to value something and you got to show up. You cannot just be a casual listener uh, to your fathers and mothers in the realm of the spirit. I'm talking about intentional investment that you get to where they're at. You get on their lives. You listen to what they're doing. However, they're presenting information. You participate. You show up. You're wanting them to show up, but you got to show up. You got to show up. Okay. Also, you got to receive counsel and instruction. A son or daughter should heed the words of their fathers or mothers. I understand the gospel is free. And so we preach, we do, again, I do webinars. I'm doing a webinar in March that will be free because from time to time, I just want to bless all the people that follow me. But I encourage them to sow because the Bible teaches us, look, if you receive something, you should sow. Wherever you're receiving from, you should sow. So now that you've heard the, the first stipulation for spiritual sons and daughters, now you're going to understand where this information came from for the service and what you're about to hear. And you may hear some of the same verbiage which he talks about in the Facebook live that the mentor never sets that the mentee never sets the pace of the mentor he talks about saying no there's different things he he mentions but i wanted to focus on the listening and obeying because he does mention this here so let's get back to the service and hear this part as he said in his Facebook live don't go and tell you're my spiritual father you got to call me five times a week and you got to do this and get a hanky when i got snot cut the devil is a liar 
The devil is a liar. The first two qualifications, I'm not even preaching yet, but the first two qualifications of a spiritual son or daughter is number one, you got to learn to listen. You got to learn to listen. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. You know how Jesus looks around and says, who's related to me? Who's listening? I'm not talking about casual listening. Well, I, you know, once in a while you preach. No, 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 no. If you're saying somebody's your spiritual father, your spiritual mother, you better be listening to what comes out of their mouth. And if I can't hear in you a deposit from them, then you're deceiving your own self. And you need to realize that you're in deception and you need to get deliverance from it. Because what we're looking for often is affirmation. Listen, a demon can affirm you. Uh, 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 an illegitimate lover can affirm you. A lady at Walmart can affirm you. The waitress can affirm you. You don't just want someone to affirm you. That's part of the process. But you want someone to grow you. You grow under a father by the reflection of his voice in your life. Jesus said, my sheep hear me and they do what I say. So if you're going to say, I want to be a spiritual son, a spiritual daughter. I want to be a good member of a local church. I want to be a part of that community. I want to find my tribe. I want to plug in. You've got to ask yourself, do I know how to listen? So he referenced John 10, 27 there. Now, this is the part where in the service I'm sitting there and I'm on the second row. And I remember sitting there going, my sheep hear my voice and they do what I say. We're going to look at these scriptures in just a few minutes. I want to take a look at this. But notice that he is inserting that scripture there. And again, there's more of a focus on his own teaching. Again, this is coming from his ebook that he wrote, and it is based in this Facebook Live that you are going to hear more clips from, and you just heard clips from. Find your voice. That was the ebook. My speculation, this is my opinion, I wonder if he was inserting this message to kind of feel out and see how it was going to go over. And I think you're going to find near the end, it, it he, and you, you see that he shifts gears at the end of the 10 to 12 minutes. I I think you see that it did not go over well. It went over like a lead balloon because of what you hear him say at the end and what I shared at the beginning. But he is sharing this, and so he inserts this verse that is not what it says at all, and that's not the, the context of it when you look at it in the, in the proper biblical context. But it caught my attention. My sheep hear my voice, and they do what I say. And he used this in reference to spiritual sons and daughters are to listen to their spiritual fathers. He's taking the words of Jesus Christ and equating them of what Jesus said about himself. My sheep hear my voice, and they follow me. Not they do what I say. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I hope that you're concerned about the use of this scripture in this context. This seems rather concerning. This was one of the points where the awakening began to happen. Do I know how to listen? And if I can't look at what's coming out of you and see what you're connected to, it tells me there's a problem in your connectivity. And I can probably trace it back to your childhood. And I can probably find a moment in your life that you felt disconnected and you've just never allowed yourself or maybe didn't have the leadership or the information to deal with that area of disconnection in your life and say, I've got to get this out of me. That's why I just hate when people go to kindergarten churches. We're still preaching the ABCs on Sunday morning. How to be a good Christian. Baby, if you hadn't learned that in the last five years, have a Sunday school class. That. Dear God, I don't want to be a Christian. Ten years and going to a Sunday morning, one hour, watered down, lukewarm service, preaching how to be a good Christian. If I'm not got that down yet, now I just need to go on to be with Jesus. I want to come and learn about angels. I want to learn about how to be successful in my finances. I want to learn how to prophesy. I want to learn what to do when things aren't working out. I want to learn God's worldview. I don't want to be an ABC elementary school. But the devil is trying to contaminate the voice of God in the earth by placing babysitters, uh, babysitting services where they're supposed to be kingdom collecting and outpouring centers where the saints are supposed to come together and find out who they are and what they're called to do. Instead, we're babysitting people. And so he's talking about the, the listening and, and continuing to elaborate on this. And I also want you to notice something else. There is a, a denigration of learning the, the, the foundation of Christianity, of being a Christian. And I, I think it's a misnomer to say uh, a good Christian. We need to understand proper biblical understand. We need to have proper biblical understanding and and I'm, and I'm going to argue that in particular, when it comes to the hyper charismatic movement and, and people, whether you want to call it the new apostolic reformation or whatever, 
And even in the charismatic Pentecostal church, not everybody, because I don't lump everybody that's charismatic into hyper charismatic or new apostolic reformation. I, I don't think that that's helpful. And I don't think that's accurate. I am going to say this as someone who is in this. I think one of the things that is uh, that's a, a glaring, serious concern and issue is the lack of biblical literacy. And people are being led astray because of this. And if people want to denigrate understanding proper biblical understanding and the foundation of that, and instead you want to learn about angels and you want to learn about how to uh, activate prophecy, which scripture does not tell us that we can do that, by the way, and, and, and learn about things that are not biblically based and that, that are highly questionable, and you want to focus on everything else, but you don't even know what it means to be a true follower of Jesus Christ, you can't minister the true gospel in accordance with scripture. You don't know what it means to be a godly wife, a godly husband. You don't know what it means to be um, children that um, are obeying the Lord in accordance with scripture. You don't understand what it means to be spirit-filled. You you don't under, have a, a, a proper understanding of the certain passages of scripture. You know, there's basic foundational things that if those are being belittled, but we want to move on and say, well, this is what we call meat and it's extra biblical stuff or that we want to expound on scripture and we want to get into things that are more mystical and more exciting. And we're calling this stuff babysitting that I'm sorry, we don't have a proper understanding of what it means to be a, a true follower of Christ and that uh, the supernatural that we that we crave all the time and, and something new, that's not normal for a Christian. You are going to have normal everyday life. You need God in the normal everyday life. I mean, we cannot dismiss that. We cannot dismiss the fact that it is very important that we are godly wives, that we are go- that men are godly husbands, that that children are serving the Lord and that they are walking in the ways of the Lord and that parents are active, proactive in their children's lives in order to understand the importance and value of that and not leaving it to someone else to teach them to do it. And then wondering why they've gone astray. We heard this at church Sunday and it was very convicting to me and com- and even more compelling to continue to pursue the scripture as far as my children are concerned, which I, I personally do that with our children, but it convicted me even more that there are some areas that I need to repent before the Lord and do better in that and to be more uh, involved in teaching my children at home even more about the scripture in the proper way and to equip them in that way and to share the gospel with them and to help them in their understanding of that. This, again, this is a berating of the, the simplicity and the devotion to Christ. This is a berating of the foundational things. And um, I think that what needs to be addressed first and foremost is the, the lack of biblical literacy that's going on in these types of movements. The devil is a liar. So the first law of a son is, or a daughter, are you listening? Not a casual listener. See, the crowd is a casual listener. Every church, you've got a crowd. You've got people that just come to listen. And thank God for those people. You know, I used to complain about goats when I first started pastoring. But I found out God can use a goat. You know, God could use a donkey, or the real word is... Thank you. <laughs> Shady. God can use any creature... God can use a goat, and sometimes God will send goats because goats will eat anything. Goats will go through where there's thistles and thorns and just begin clearing them out, and they'll make it ready for the sheep to come in. And I used to complain about the goats, and God said, son, I can even use the goats. So thank God for the crowd, those that listen. But the core is not just casual listeners. They're students of the message and what God is speaking and releasing in that group and collection of people. And here's the thing. You can't get your sermons from somebody's book or SermonCentral.com because it doesn't have the DNA for your territory and your region there are devils in your territory there are mandates over your territory that it requires a revelation what is god saying in this territory we have lost the art of preaching in the modern church and we sit and have coffee talks when we need to have apostolic prophetic i'm personally listening to the word of god And I'm not against reading other people's books and gleaning from godly counsel and godly wisdom that someone has gleaned from studying the Word of God and is proven to be a godly uh, man or a godly woman that's a woman that's instructing other women and children in proper biblical understanding. 
What I'm not for is taking someone's book and teaching and preaching from it from the pulpit and saying that's the revelation instruction that we need to be relying on. If we're using a man's book that or an ebook in order to provide the teaching to the congregation and we are uh, bypassing scripture, which is the word of God. <laughs> the word of God and the more sure word of prophecy. We've got a huge red flag and we've got a big problem going on. If we have this a low view of scripture, but we say we have a high view of scripture, but we're always looking for that new and fresh thing. And we, we want to have someone's book that we're teaching from to the church on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night. If that's what we're teaching from Houston, we have a problem and I'll say this, this is not an isolated thing that as far as teaching from another man's book to uh, church congregations. I know that it happened where I was, and I know that it happens in other places many other times over. But he's talking about listening, and we're going to finish this part up, and then we're going to go to, to the second thing that spiritual sons and daughters are supposed to do. I hope that this is helpful to you, and I hope, again, that you're being objective as you listen to this and being biblical. Most importantly, being biblical. If I can find out who you're listening to, I can accurately predict where you're going. Many of you are frustrated where you're at, but guess what? You're going to be frustrated again next year. Because you, I'm sorry, you become a professional complainer. You are God's chosen victim. You know how to be a victim. You know how to tell everyone, well, they did me wrong. Let me give you deliverance tonight. The first gateway for you getting change in your life is to realize that everything that you've done led you to this moment. And you have ownership over your life. Now, I understand there's some things the devil did. There's some things that just bad happened to you. I'm not discounting that. But I'm saying this as long as I say it's delegated to us. I, I want to reiterate one last time because I know he said this. This is during an offering message. And some people may not have offering messages in the church. This is during an offering message. And he is saying these things in a 10 to 12 minute time frame. I'm sorry I'm repeating myself, but I want that to sink in. And he's saying this and ministering from his ebook, Find Your Voice. So we've got to begin to move. We've got to begin to grow. So if I can find out who you're listening to, I can find out where you're going. Now we get to the second qualification. We're going to switch back over to the Facebook Live that he did. Here he goes into uh, spiritual sons and daughters are not only to listen, but they must obey the voice of their leader. Now, the second, a son or daughter, a son or daughter must obey the voice of their father. And this separates the men from the boys, the girls from the ladies. OK, anybody can listen. And amen and hand clap. Anybody can amen, lift their hands up, shout, whoop, holler. But the reality is, can they obey the voice of their leader? Can they obey the voice of their leader? When their leader says, no, you don't need to do that. When their leader says, it's not time. When their leader says, I don't feel good about this. Can they obey the voice of their leader? Sons and daughters should listen to and obey instruction. If a person refuses to submit to counsel, instruction, and guidance, they're then manifesting a rebellious spirit. So when someone says, I want to be your son or daughter, I want my voice to be developed. Can you listen, number one? Are you listening, number one? You should already be listening because if you're being drawn to me, you're being drawn to my voice. But number two, can you obey? When I give you an instruction, can you obey? If I have to give you the same instruction 10 times, there's a problem. There's an issue. We've already covered this. We've already discussed this. You know, we're not, <clears throat> we're not just beginning. And again, I'm talking about advanced stuff today. So Jesus said in John 14, 15, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. He said, look, if you love me, you're going to do what I say. I want you to remember that. John 14, 15. He's using this scripture as validation for the teaching that sons and daughters, spiritual sons and daughters must obey the voice of their leader. John 14, 15, Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. He was saying this to his disciples. This is the son of God, the second person of the Trinity saying to his disciples, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Now that you've heard him say this, Let's see what else he has to say, and then we're going to get back to the service. The proof of surrender is found in obedience. Anybody can read the Bible and be inspired, but it's a disciple that specifically heeds the instruction of the Lord and obeys. This marks true followers of Jesus. We're not casual learners, casual listeners. We're disciples. He's conflating because this has nothing to do with following Christ as far as obeying your leader and, and doing what they tell you to do. He's equating those two. He's equating it. So now that we've heard this, let's get back to the service and see what he has to say about this thing. And you'll hear this echoed once again from the Facebook Live. Son or daughter, is you've not just got to listen, you've got to obey. See, there's a lot of people that listen 
If I have to tell somebody something more than once, it tells me that they either have a hearing issue or they're choosing not to listen to me. But if they're saying, I'm in covenant with you, I don't need to tell you five different times the same piece of information. You either need deliverance, you've got rebellion, you've got pain, you choose not to listen, whatever it is. And if I don't value myself, I'll be dumb enough to just keep repeating the same information over and over and over. And now I'm frustrated when I shouldn't be frustrated. Why? Because I'm playing a religious game. All along, you're saying, well, I'm a spiritual son. I'm a spirit. No, you're not. You don't listen. You don't obey. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey me. You'll keep my commandments. That's what the gospel said. Y'all are getting really uptight, really upset, really frustrated. It's all right tonight. That's what Jesus said. That's not what Ryan said. That's what Jesus said. So my wife and I began to ask this man, how do you get prosperity in your church like that? Yeah, so you can see that it switched real fast. There may not have been anything to that. That may just be me falsely speculating. And so you can see him mention about, again, John 14, 15. He said, spiritual sons and daughters are supposed to obey the voice of their leader. You know, Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. That's what Jesus said. That's not what Orion said. That's what Jesus said. Yes, Jesus did say that. And so we're going to take a look at some of these passages. It was at that moment, I kid you not, I physically jolted in my seat. Now, whether or not that that was the Lord, I don't know. It could have just been a visceral reaction that I was having to hearing that. It was in that moment, though, that something clicked, and I instantly began to question what I was sitting under and being very concerned and fearful of, I don't know what to do with this, and not knowing how to handle it and how to process it and uh, trying to understand it. That was the beginning, and from there, it snowballed and so here we are today now now when we're at the end of that uh of those clips i want to talk a little bit about this for today in particular there were two scriptures that were mentioned during this time that i played for you today and the first one was in john 10 27 now i want to read this to you this is one of the uh longer this is one of the areas where jesus is speaking in the gospel of john at the beginning of chapter 10 in the book of John, we see Jesus talking to the Pharisees. This is, at, this is right when he's healed a man that was born blind, and they are very upset about this, and they've questioned the blind man, they've questioned his parents, and now they've, they've, they've gotten upset with the man because he asked them a question. And so we see the Pharisees uh, begin to question Jesus because he's, he's basically calling them out for what they're doing, and he's addressing their error. So in John chapter 10, verse 1, he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, this is the Pharisees, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hears his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers." This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. Why could they not understand? Because they were blind, spiritually blind. And if you read John chapter 9, you, you begin to see that. And I would refer you to Bible teachers, that godly men that have been trained, and that they're going to help you in the expository preaching of this, the teaching and preaching of it, and that you do a Bible study on this to look into this. I want to uh, give some little nuggets for you ladies so that we have some proper biblical understanding here as we're going along. And verse 7 says, So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it more abundantly. So some have said that the, the thieves that they're referring to is the thief here is the, the false teachers. Others have said the devil. And we certainly know the devil wants to, to, to steal and he wants to take a people um, and to, to keep them in lies and deception and in sin and to keep them separated from God by their sin. But some have also, when you look at some of these teachings, they'll say that the, the thief here is referring to false teachers, referring to the Pharisees, if you will. Verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. 
I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep and I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. That's the Gentiles. That's you and I, if you are not Jewish. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my father. And we go on to verse 22. He, we see that this is the time of the feast of dedication took place in Jerusalem and it was winter and Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. It's been pretty obvious at this point, but again, they're spiritually blind and they can't see it. Verse 25 of John 10, Jesus answered them, I told you and you do not believe. The works that I do in my father's name bear witness about me, but you do not believe because you are not part of my flock. Verse 27, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Does it say there that my sheep hear my voice and they do what I say? Is that what that says? Somebody will say, well, you know, he was just paraphrasing, but that's not what it says. It says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them. That's a personal relationship and they follow me. This is a salvation passage. If you read it in context, this has to do with salvation because he goes on in verse 28, I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. And I believe that passage, by the way, I believe that I don't fear losing my salvation. I believe what Jesus said. Take that as you will. I believe that my eternity, my eternal salvation is secure because of Christ and because of his words and what they said. I take them at face value. No one can snatch me out of his hand or the father's hand. My father who has given them to me, Jesus says in verse 29, is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of the father's hand. I and the father are one. So this is talking about salvation. This is not talking about spiritual sons and daughters listening to their spiritual, their their earthly, quote, spiritual fathers or mothers, attending their conferences and buying their books and, and taking their counsel all the time and, and going and uh, making sure that you're d- putting a deposit in them and financially uh, sewing into their life by buying their merchandise and, and doing all of these things to show honor, this culture of honor. It has nothing to do with that. This has to do with salvation. Jesus is saying this. This is salvation. My sheep, we are compared to sheep. And anybody who's considered a goat, by the way, is not a believer. Sheep are part of the flock of God's flock. The sheep hear his voice. If you have an understanding or looked into how shepherds and their sheep and and the, the, the significance of a voice, it's very fascinating. And even if a flock gets mixed together, there are some that will that you can read about. There are some things you can read about where it says that uh, when the, the two shepherds are talking and their flocks are intermingling and all the sheep look alike, when they go to part ways, the voice of that shepherd, the, the sheep for that flock recognize it and they will follow. So this applies to us spiritually. We, If we belong to Christ, we hear him calling. We hear the voice of the shepherd. I personally believe in the moment that this took place on February 20th of 2019, that I heard the voice of the shepherd and it was not Ryan. It was Christ through his word. And I heard it by the Holy Spirit. My sheep hear my voice and they do what I say. It was misappropriated and twisted scripture. But you know what happens to the word of God? Isaiah 55 11 tells us what the word of God does. And it's a very and it's a thing that has encouraged me, and I come back to it over and over and over again, because it's a, it is an encouragement to me that what happened that day I believe was by God's providence and it was by God's ordained timing. Isaiah fifty five eleven. So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth; it shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. And I was a sheep that had gone astray. I didn't think I was. I thought I was a prophet. I thought I was anointed and powerful. And that I was hearing the voice of God for myself and getting all this extra biblical revelation. I did not have proper illumination and understanding of the word of God. And I thought I was someone that was having all these dreams and visions and attributing everything to God. And thinking that I was having all of this supernatural revelation. 
And sitting in this service, it was the misappropriation of scripture by the grace of God sitting there. And even though it was misappropriated, God's word does not bend to the will of man and is not conformed to a man's opinion or a man's own understanding. The word of God does not return void or empty. And it certainly didn't in that moment because it was in that moment I truly believe this. And that's why I can't take, I can't boast to myself because of this, because of the, because of the massive error that I had participated in for so long in the midst of my sincerity. The voice of the shepherd came through John 10, 27. My sheep hear me. I know them and they follow me. And I take great comfort in that. I find peace, understanding that the Lord It was a rescue mission. He rescued me out of deception, out of a lack of peace with him and in him during hardships and trials and difficulties and even seasons where I was on the proverbial mountaintop, if you will, even after coming out of this. I heard the voice of the shepherd. And that's, it challenges me personally to think about that because I think about the misappropriation of scripture. I think about John 14, 15. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. That one to that to this day, I still remember that moment of sitting there, hearing that being said in the context of spiritual sons and daughters are supposed to obey their spiritual fathers. Because Jesus said in John 14, 15, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And the scary part about this was it sounded as if he was equating himself with Christ when he said it. And I couldn't convey that and couldn't fully wrap my mind and wrap the understanding around it in that moment because I I didn't know how to fully process it at that time, except to know something's wrong. What am I sitting under? Why am I questioning this? Driving home in tears, weeping and crying in the car on the way home, going, God, I don't understand this. Please help me. Please help me to understand this because I have questions and I never had questions before. Why am I asking questions now? Looking at this is very uncomfortable. And I know and am fully aware that asking such questions can be problematic and it can certainly rub people the wrong way. It can cause some hostile comments potentially may cause no comments at all, but it may cause some hostility to come my way. And if that's the case, then that's the case. But maybe this will help somebody else. Maybe this will, this will help someone that's sat in a service or sat in a gathering or conference and they heard a particular scripture being used and this impression, unction, whatever you want to call it, this thought comes through through your mind, and you immediately go, whoa, what was that that I just heard? What does scripture really say? I need to go open my Bible and read it. And that's what I hope that you'll do today. In listening to this, to listening to your favorite Bible teachers that are both sound, or if you are listening to someone that you may not know right now, but they're not sound in their biblical teaching, whoever you're listening to, I hope that you are opening your Bible and reading along and that the truth of the word of God is your foundation. And I would encourage you to have a proper understanding. Do not be biblically illiterate like I was. Get in the Bible, study it, and read it. Find some good, sound, solid Bible teachers that you can listen to that are going to help you grow in your understanding of the word and help you to understand the word. But also it's It's equally growing in your fellowship with Christ. When we love his word, when we love studying his word, then we're also loving the one who is the word. That's why I say that. That's Jesus Christ. We need to have a love for the word of God. And the word of the Lord, by the way, is not just some extra biblical blog post or something that you're reading on Elijah list or charisma or anywhere else. The word of God is the Holy Bible, and it's the more sure word of prophecy, and it's the word that you need for your understanding and your instruction. So I I hope that this has helped you today. I hope this has encouraged you. If it's made you angry, I hope it's made you angry enough that you'll open up the Bible and you'll look at this and you'll read it and you'll ask the Holy Spirit to illuminate this for proper biblical understanding. And that maybe it'll, it'll put that pebble in your shoe, so to speak, that you'll start looking at things and 
taking a, a, an evaluation of them um, and a, an inventory of them from a biblical standpoint and not just taking something in because it's your favorite teacher or preacher or whoever it is and that because they have a massive following or because they've written all these books or they have done this, this, and this, that they're reputable. That doesn't mean anything. What matters is what the truth of the Word of God says and that we abide in the Word because when we know the truth, the truth will set us free. And true disciples of Christ abide in His Word. John 8, 31, 32, Jesus said that Himself. And I, for one, as a sheep, am so thankful that I know the truth and the truth has set me free. Be blessed today by the truth of God's Word. Thank you for joining me on this podcast. If you would like to connect with me, you can find me on Facebook and on Instagram at lovesickscribe. And if you enjoy reading, feel free to hop on over to lovesickscribe.com and subscribe to my blog. I've enjoyed being with you today, and I look forward to our next time together as we talk about biblical truths, current topics, and we continue to grow together in loving the Word and loving the one who is the Word, Jesus Christ. Blessings to you.